Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. How are things? Things are good. I'm uh, feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, not the rut like last week? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I'll get into that. Um, but yeah, feel, feeling good today at least. That's good. That's good. It's a new day. It's a new week. Yeah. I've been, I've been trying to be much more, man, I feel like, God, it's just, it's so annoying, like having to repeat the same things over again, but go through these seasons where I get like really, really good sleep. I feel really good. I'm like exercising, doing all the things I want to. And then that just like slowly degrades over time. And I like lose those habits that make me feel good. And then I reach like a breaking point where I'm just like, oh, wait, I should be doing X, Y, and Z and yada, 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 yada. And, and so the last week I've been really intentional about trying to catch up on sleep and surprise, I feel much better after getting more sleep. So here we are again. It's just, it's <laughs> that always never, helps. Yeah, it's never a new problem. It's always the same problems. And then I have to get the same solutions to those problems. Yeah. Have you gotten a chance to play basketball yet since like COVID restrictions have lifted? Yeah, I have a few times. I haven't yeah. for the past month-ish, which has been a bummer. It's just been like a weird kind of timing thing. We just haven't played. Um, but yeah, I was playing about every other week for like two months-ish. We kind of like started playing in like end of March and they were playing like April and then May. And then we haven't played since like the end of May. So uh, I definitely missed that. I've been wanting to do get outdoors, do more activity stuff. I've been going to the gym a little bit more, so that's been nice. But still, nice. still haven't fully scratched that kind of exercise, sports, competitive itch yet. Yeah, it's always so hard to get back into it after a break. Well, at this point too, I, I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm getting old. I'm still really young, but like, if I if I play like three weeks in a row, I'm like, oh, like. I'm back. Like I can, you know, I can keep up. I can play for a couple hours without feeling like really winded and exhausted. But if I even take like one week off and I, it's just like a completely different experience. I'd like start from <laughs> scratch all over again, like no conditioning, no lung power, no stamina. It's just all gone. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I was, uh, I was supposed to play tennis on, uh, Sunday and Mm. Uh, my friend canceled like last minute and I was like kind oh. of relieved because it's just like, oh. it's going to be so hard because I'm so out of shape now. Mm. Um, but we're going to try and play this week. I need to get back out there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. When was the last yeah. time that you played tennis or something like that? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I was able to do a little bit through the pandemic just because it's like, you know, it's one-on-one -on -one and you're, you, you can stay separate. Um, yeah, social but, distancing yeah. built in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it actually has been a couple months now, though, so I mm. need to get back out there for sure. Have we talked about pickleball at all? I feel like we have, but have we? You you've mentioned it, I think. I don't know that we specifically okay. have talked about it though. Oh, have you played it before? No, I haven't. Okay, we should play. I. I, I've never been a tennis player. I 
I've been decent at ping pong. So like, you know, I know like the basic kind of racket sports mechanics and stuff, but, uh, a couple of friends of ours started playing pickleball. We've played maybe like three or four times, my wife and I, uh, either with each other or with friends. And from, from what I've heard from other tennis players is that it's easier and funner than tennis itself. Oh, uh, wow. now of course I'm not a tennis player, so I have no idea. Um, but, uh, I've been really enjoying that. I've been, I've been itching to go play some, some pickleball. Yeah. I'm down to try. Yeah. It's pretty fun. That'd I think fun. it's, yeah, I've heard that it's, um, like you get more like volleys in and it's a shorter court. And so it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit like less technical maybe. Um, but I've had a lot of fun playing it. It's, uh, I'm definitely not like good by any means, but I'm competitive and it definitely scratches that itch. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's just like big ping pong and that's a ton of fun to me. Yeah. That's awesome. It's funny cause I was actually going to ask, uh, we could just, you know, jump right into it, but I was going to ask what you do for fun these days. Uh, one, cause we've kind of been talking about, you know, it's summertime, summer break, feeling like, oh, do we really want to work a lot right now? But also I feel like I never really hear from startup people and founders about like what they do outside of work. And um, this is probably just me, but I've just been like, I don't know, I've just been itching to do things that are, I, I, I also feel like it's one of those things that helps like when you do have a outlet of some sort of hobby that it likes help you, helps you like focus more and do better at work because then you're, you've like kind of scratched that itch, right? You don't have to like think about that as much. And, you know, it's like a good kind of both ends of the spectrum. They're kind of, uh, opposing in some ways. Um, but I was just curious, you know, what you do for fun. And that could be both like pre and post baby. Cause I know that that changes things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, for fun time has definitely diminished this year. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, tennis is a, is a big one for me. Um, I've also been into, since I moved to San Diego, uh, just going like cruising on a longboard. Um, oh, really? Like the beach, yeah. Beach boardwalk or just around yeah. on the streets. Um, so that's kind of a, that's a fun activity to be outside and it's, it's fairly easy to mm-hmm. do. So, um, I've, I've never been a good skateboarder. I think the last time I really tried, it was like 12 or 13, but I've always wanted to get one of those like boosted boards with, you know, it has oh, little, yeah. like engine and, and it just feels like, you know, I'm a big Casey Neistat fan. And so watching him through like cruise through New York city, looks so like so much fun. I've always wanted to do that here in San Diego on the beach or something like that. I know it's actually, it's funny. So that was why I originally taught myself how to skate. Cause like I didn't learn until I was over 30. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. So there's still time for you. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it was because I wanted to get a boosted board or, or one of those types of boards and uh, cruise around because it looks so awesome. And mm. uh, once I learned, then I don't know, for some reason, I was just like, yeah, this is actually like pretty fun, uh, even without the the electric portion of it. So then I never ended up getting one. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But, yeah, yeah. Maybe sort of like the, the gateway, right? And then you kind of get, yeah, it gets ingrained. You, you like it. My yeah. My brother has a boosted board and he really likes it. And, uh, my nephew was writing one time and, uh, he hit like a rock or something going like full speed, like bombing down a hill and just like completely ate it and had to be hospitalized and had like a, a concussion and stuff. So 
Um, I still need to do some convincing with my wife, <laughs> but maybe one day <laughs> I'll, uh, or maybe I'll just stick to a long board. Maybe she'll feel safer with that. <laughs> yeah. I think that was another factor for me as I got more into it was, uh, having a few close calls <laughs> without electric yeah. acceleration. So, um, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine going full speed on one of those and, and eating it. That would not be fun. That stuff always scares me. Yeah. I yeah. just... I, maybe it's like a childhood traumatic experience, but when I was a kid, I bombed a hill, like a kid kid, maybe like seven or eight, bombed this hill on my bicycle. And I like, I don't know, I think I just like hit the brakes too late or something, or like didn't hold them down enough. But I, there was like this, this, this hill that you go down and it was like the, actually like an entryway to a church parking lot. And I think it was on like a Saturday night or something. So there weren't like a ton of cars, but there were cars kind of coming in and out. And uh, there was this car coming in. I remember thinking like, oh, that car is going to keep moving forward. And I can kind of like really dumbly just, you know, whip right through, even though there's more cars coming. I probably should just slow down anyways. But then the car stopped and I just went straight into the car, flew oh, over no. the car, banged up my knee and my head and my elbows and had to get like carted away in a wagon. And ever since then, I've always been scared of going down hills on anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see why. Oh, man. That's yeah, crazy. I've also done that on the scooter. But yeah, not not good experiences on hills. So um, <laughs> even if I do get a long board or something like that, probably would never go down a big hill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nice you can stick to the beach then. Yeah, yeah. Fairly, yeah. fairly flat. We were just in Coronado on Sunday, and... Um, we were watching all these people bike around. I was like, man, this is a great place to bike because there are no hills. And, you know, if you live in San Diego, you know, it's actually like really, really hilly. And I live in Hillcrest. So we, I literally <laughs> live on a hill and there's like no way I'm going to bike around somewhere. It's just too, you know, it's too much hard work. But uh, yeah, if you find a good spot, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. When I was learning or teaching myself to skate, I was living downtown and there's like no flat areas around there uh, or at least where I was at and there's a lot of cars uh, mm -hmm. so that was like trial by fire <laughs> <laughs> lucky lucky I survived that live life on the edge yeah. okay so so tennis longboarding anything else go to um, then most of my hobbies start to become more business related whether <laughs> that's you know meeting up and hanging out with people or <laughs> I spent the weekend just uh, tinkering around with some technologies and doing a bit of exploration. So um, that was like, that was the first time I've done that in a while and, and spent maybe three or four hours on it. And uh, I don't know. I was like, man, I, I miss this. Like I missed the, mm. the hobby aspect of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which, which I got to scratch that itch a little bit over the weekend. So um, was that the, the time that, you and your wife give each other to do your own thing. <laughs> that was, yes. That's, that's yeah. how I spent my three hours. <laughs> I was supposed to be playing tennis and then he canceled and I was like, all right, oh, well, right. there's this, uh, you know, there's a couple of things I've been wanting to take a look at. So that's nice. what I did. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I've, I've actually been thinking about this, you know, especially I'm sure a lot of people are with, uh, with like the COVID stuff ending is like, yeah, maybe I should pick up some new hobbies or, um, mm. You know, I'm like, I feel like I need something more artsy. Like, I don't know mm. if it's like painting or, or what. I've, I've had this weird draw 
thinking about that um to that so i don't know trying to see if uh i don't know maybe pickleball or something like that pick up a pick up a new hobby uh yeah 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 painting's a fun one too yeah i've always had a an itch to to paint there's a few things so i feel like aspirational hobbies i want to like paint and i don't know cook and learn like a martial art i did taekwondo when i was a kid and i've always had a draw to go back to some sort of like you know self-defense kind of thing i think it'd be fun just more things that are uh you know like i don't know just maybe it's just me maybe it's just like a certain type of person but i love all the like active use useful exercise stuff i go to the gym more just out of like obligation but I'd much rather spend that time like actually doing something fun. (laughs) I don't find just lifting weights for, you know, fun. Um, I enjoy the time there still, but I would rather be doing something active. So, you know, basketball is one of those. Um, I played volleyball at the beach the other day uh, in that actually my, my wife's um, parents' house, they just built a little volleyball court uh, with turf in their backyards. They just redid their backyards. That was a lot of fun. And it's been a while since I did that. Uh, pickleball I played spike ball at the beach the other day, actually also mm. love spike ball. That's a lot of fun. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. Recently it's been a lot of poker, which is kind of like funny to say and like a little bit embarrassing, <laughs> but it's just like an easy pastime. And, um, and I had a poker night or a couple of poker nights the last few months. And I think those are a lot of fun. Um, but I think that also kind of scratches the itch of like, not, um, I don't know, not like a, it's not really useful. It's also not really creative, but it's kind of just like a, uh, what do you call it? Um, a guilty pleasure a little bit. And, um, so I watch poker videos and poker vlogs and stuff like that. So that's definitely been one of the, you know, normally if I, li- if I listen, if I'll go on a walk or, uh, do the dishes, you know, I'll turn on a business podcast and I'm trying to be better about just like turn on a random YouTube video or play some poker on my phone or something like that just to get my mind off of it. Um, and then uh, in, in the snow season, I would love to get into, uh, into snowboarding. That's been like the big thing I can't wait to do, but obviously can't right now mm-hmm. cause it's warm. But, uh, I, I hope that that'll be one of my regular hobbies coming winter. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll see. TBD on it. Hopefully, we'll see. But uh, yeah, trying to do a lot more outdoorsy stuff. Um, I love basically all sports and like anything competitive. So it was definitely it's definitely been really really hard with COVID, not having those kind of regular things, and even with the friends, you know, mm-hmm. trying to do stuff more with friends, just hang out, get a drink. I don't know. Talk on the phone, even <laughs> like yeah. calling friends randomly. Like, oh, I forgot we used to do this. It's I know. Kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same here. And we, we even met up last week in person. That was fun. We did. I know I was doing my, <laughs> uh, my weekly working, working public posts on, uh, on swipe files and looking back on my calendar and always try to reflect on what I did last week. And I was like, wow, I met up with, I actually met up with three different times with friends last week, which is really nice, oh, nice and refreshing. So yeah, we met up with you and our friend Greg met up with, uh, an old friend from church on Thursday. And then, uh, a guy here in San Diego actually is a, a marketer owns a marketing agency, uh, Kevin on Friday. So that was a lot of fun. Definitely getting to meet in person and just get out, yeah. do stuff, talk, hang out. Yeah. Love it. 
Cool. Yeah. I mean, those are the go-tos for me, but it's always, it's always fun hearing what the people like doing. I'm also just a sucker for any sort of board game or strategy game or card game anytime, anywhere. Uh, oh yeah, for the sure. Wife's, the the in-laws play some spicy Uno. That's been the go-to for us. Or uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf, which is like a super nerdy role-playing game, but it's a <laughs> lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, how was last week for you work-wise? Uh, well, <laughs> to to continue the personal thread a little bit, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know how. Uh, uh, how personal to get with this, but so for the last several weeks, like it's been pretty tough. Um, we, so my wife went back to work part-time and we've had someone, uh, watching our son part-time and, oh, that's right. We started to get the inclination or just sort of this gut feeling of like, it wasn't a good fit. Um, and mm. it's, it's just like, you hire someone like that to give you like peace of mind and relief. And, uh, we weren't getting that. And so it's been hard to focus on work, uh, with that going on. And it kind of all came to a head last week. Um, and basically had to let them go kind of on the spot. (laughs) Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was tough situation. Uh, I mean, we learned a lot from it as far as like, you know, trusting your instinct and, um, and yeah, sp- spent a lot of time last week just figuring out what was next and, uh, visiting a lot of daycares and <laughs> spending a lot of time on it. But fortunately, uh, you know, one thing I was reflecting on was often you have to go through difficult experiences in order to, uh, you know, have a better outcome at the end. And, uh, ultimately we did find a home daycare that we're really excited about, um, that my son started at today. And mm. it's really hard to find daycare right now because everyone is going back to work, going back yeah. to the office, trying to put their kids back into daycares. Um, so it's taken us a long time to find one and we finally did. And it's just like a really big relief. Um, mm. so yeah, work-wise didn't get a whole lot done last week. Um, I was also supposed to have, uh, since we're coming to the end of the quarter, uh, the jet boost advisory board meeting, uh, for oh, Q2 right. I was supposed to have that last week. I ended up canceling it last minute. Um, I felt really bad about it, but I was just like, listen, like I'm not in the headspace to do this yeah. right now. Um, and everyone was super understanding and, uh, I'm actually excited because, uh, I propose that we, so normally it's like an hour long meeting, uh, with four other people spread across the globe, basically. Um, so the time zones are challenging. Everyone on the advisory board has their own company that they're running. Uh, so getting people's time is challenging. And I propose that we try to do the entire, uh, meeting async using zip message. Really? Because uh, yeah, I've I've been enjoying the tool and that's um, awesome. Yeah, so we're gonna give that a shot and see how that goes. Uh, we're gonna try <laughs> that this week. Super fun. Yeah, that that's yeah. really fun. I've been I've been wanting to try to experiment with more like 
Cause I feel like it's one thing loom is like, you know, send a message kind of like a one-off thing, you know, back and forth or just, you know, kind of one way, but it's an entirely a whole new thing to like have an asynchronous conversation where it's like, you know, a threaded topic and it's back and forth videos that are in relation to one another. And so I've been wanting to experiment with that, but, uh, curious to know how it goes and just what it's like even, you know, it's, it's like, I know it could work. It's just like kind of like learning how to do it and like, what's like the best way and getting people used to it also. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely report back. Uh, so I've been having conversations through it, basically one-on-one conversations back and forth, video, audio, text. Hmm. It's, it's nice cause you can mix and match. Yeah. Uh, so if you start out via video, you don't have to keep doing video. You can switch to audio or text. Um, but I have not yet had, and this is where I think ZipMessage has the advantage over Loom and some of the other tools is like a group conversation that's uh, async. Um, interesting. So yeah, everyone will be able to see everyone's replies and make their own replies and it's all like one thread. Uh, hmm. so that, that'll be interesting to see how that goes. So do you, um, you know, for each one of the. I guess I'm wondering like how you would structure that. Like, do you basically just kind of record one long video in the beginning that kind of like goes over everything or do you kind of like drip it over time of like, okay, here's like the first thing I want to cover and get everyone's thoughts on, you know, here's like this thing for JetBoost or like, here's like this one theme. And like, once you've kind of like gone through that, then you like have like another one that you post or how does that work or how do you think that it'll work? Yeah. So uh, typically the format is I start out by recording, uh, 20, 25 minute video where I am presenting slides, uh, and, uh, you know, different, t- different areas of the business, different, uh, topics as far, you know, marketing product, uh, hiring all, all of that, uh, basically, and you know, all the financial numbers, everything you would expect. Uh, so I present all of that in sort of the initial video and then from there so everyone when we're doing the meeting in person or or via zoom everyone was expected to have watched that video ahead of time and then the hour-long zoom meeting is just discussing the contents of it uh you know discussing whether there were specific questions i had or um yeah the the whole hour was just discussion so oh wow yeah, with ZipMessage, we're going to try to, we'll still have the initial video up front and then just try to have the entire discussion um, asynchronously. Hmm. Okay. Wow. That'll be fascinating. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting. But it sounds like that'll that'll probably be like a productivity gain and that you don't have to block out an entire hour just to kind of like go back and forth. Instead, you can sort of drip it out over like a week and kind of mm-hmm. back and forth when everyone can consume each other's responses at different times, right? Is that the thought? I think so. Yeah. 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 I think the yeah. two big wins are just because I had to cancel it. So last minute, uh, like normally we schedule it out, say like two months ahead of time. So trying to get everyone's time, you know, an hour free from everyone again, uh, last minute can be tough and yeah. Giving everyone the ability to, like you said, uh, trip it out over, over time. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, shout out to Brian and and uh, a zip message. I saw that they also just released like a multiple inboxes feature, which 
seems pretty nifty and that'll probably also help with that kind of that kind of use case or at least even separating i don't know if you've had like two different accounts or something for personal and default alive but uh i don't know maybe that'll make things more yeah uh, i just set up the uh, second account last week nice so now i have like a JetBoost account and then i have a default alive account mm, okay cool so yeah i'm, I'm becoming awesome. a zip message power user <laughs> yeah i know very quickly <laughs> that's awesome it really is a, a fun product yeah i want to use it more cool. brian brian's in the um in the swi files community and he was asking about some like creative marketing ideas and he was shooting around the idea of doing like a ama series where uh you sort of like ask someone you probably heard it on the podcast as well he's talked about it a little bit uh for a bootstrap web but basically doing like a influencer kind of came campaign of like, Hey, who are people who like have an audience that people want to hear from and they can do like an AMA with them asynchronously. So kind of like that group kind of thing. Um, and, uh, I, th I think it'd be fun to do something like that personally, although I don't know if I have the, the influencer status <laughs> to warrant, <laughs> to warrant being on the, the cool kids club, the list to be able to do one of those AMAs. Hey, you've got the Twitter K. So I think that that's counts. true. I've got a K on my, my Twitter following count, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a super cool idea. Uh, him and I have actually, Brian and I have chatted about the, the AMAs a little bit. So hmm. yeah, I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Even I think, I mean, it's just a whole, it's just unbundling of, of zoom and of like remote work and, uh, you can take like these tiny little slices of things that we used to do synchronously and just make them async with a message. And, uh, one step further, I was thinking too. So I saw this, uh, saw this tweet from, well, from this random guy. I don't know. I don't even follow him, but he was, he showed this graphic from CB insights, which is like a big, like research content firm. I don't really know exactly how to describe them. But uh, it's just like infographic of the 728 private companies valued at $1 billion. And I have a couple of categories. And I saw Loom on there. And I was like, oh, duh. Like, you know, go after big market. Loom is a ginormous market. And also like kind of unbundling some of the things that Loom doesn't do or can't do or isn't uniquely positioned to do. And so I think Brian's really smart. It's a fun opportunity. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I want to say this is one of the, the classic Derek Reimer questions of uh, when, when looking at business ideas, uh, how are people using a product in a way that it wasn't intended to be used? Right. Uh, that can be a good opportunity. And I think that's, you know, in some ways people have been trying to do this like conversational async stuff back and forth with Loom and um, it wasn't exactly built to do that, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. How, have you thought about trying to do something like that for like, I guess like integrated with support, uh, or I guess that's kind of off your plate now with Noah on board. So maybe you haven't thought about it, but, um, you know, other ways you can integrate it into the business. Yeah. Um, I have thought about it and you know, actually for, <laughs> I, I do want to give a shout out to Noah. Uh, I don't know if he actually listens to this podcast or not, but <laughs> he has definitely been, uh, 
holding down the business, uh, r- really doing a great job the last few weeks while, uh, you know, I've, I've been having these personal challenges. So, uh, if it weren't for him, uh, things would be, I think a hundred times more stressful for me right now. So, uh, he's been doing a killer job and we, we actually, him and I use zip message sometimes, uh, in discussing issues mm-hmm. and looked at it for support. I think the two challenges that I see are, it's, it's mainly around getting customers to actually use it. Uh, so I think ideally if it was somehow, now I, I haven't thought through this enough enough to even think about how it would work, but if it was somehow baked into the support tool, Mm. like it's kind of a big ask right now to say, you know, go and maybe we should just try it. Like go ask people to record their screen using this tool. Uh, if, if they do have an issue, Hmm. but yeah, yeah, I don't know. So, so right now if someone writes in, we, we send an automated reply saying, uh, basically just copy this from Webflow, which is, you know, typically what I do. Um, just saying like, if you have an issue, please provide like your read only project link, uh, to your Webflow project and, you know, mm. link us to the page where you're seeing the issue. And so maybe we could try to ask to also have them do a screen recording, but the, the response rate, even to that, to get people to give like the Webflow read only project link is not great. Uh, and that's like a lot of times crucial for debugging. So, um, yeah, that, that's the challenge there, I think, is getting customers to actually use it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I wonder if it's one of those things that's not really not really meant to, like, fully integrate or, or like, replace the current workflow, but maybe, like, augment it or, uh, what's the word, like, um, you know, be in addition to it. So maybe it's, like, a priority kind of support box where it's, like, hey, if you have... Mm. If, like if if you can really clearly articulate what's going on, you can share your screen, you know, in the mean, you know, like maybe they they send their support ticket and then the automated message and response is like, also, if you want to jump up the queue, like record a screen share of yourself walking through the problem. And then like, we'll go, we go through this inbox first because you give more information up front. But like, if not, then you just go through the normal support stuff. Mm-hmm. But just trying to think of like, I don't know, other ways to, to to do it without replacing right or like fully baking it into the process yeah yeah that is that is interesting i mean yeah (laughs) it's funny you say that because i've also been thinking about this idea of priority support uh because yeah, I don't know. I, I've been thinking about having a separate plan for priority support. Because hmm. there are some customers where it seems like JetBoost is quite mission critical. And, you know, the for us to provide the level of support that they want, like the turnaround time that they want, like we might need to charge for that. Hmm. It's something I've been thinking about. Totally possible. Yeah. If there's, yeah. I mean, that's basically what every like enterprise plan is. On, right. You know, on the pricing, it's like, it's mainly just like custom integrations and then like priority support essentially. 
whether that comes to the form of like a dedicated account manager or actually, you know, priority support in some way. Um, yeah, I could see that as like a, a modular kind of add on, right? Just like tack this on to any one of your plans that you're on now or some sort of just like a baseline, you know, flat fee people, people pay for. And then it's a, you know, it's like an enterprise plan where they kind of upgrade to that and they have to buy all the bells and whistles with it. They have to be mm-hmm. on the, you know, mm-hmm. the everything bundle or forget the, the pricing names that yeah. you have. But, um, yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of strange to think about because JetBoost is definitely not an enterprise product or, or aimed at <laughs> enterprise customers right now, but there are some very large companies using it because they use Webflow. Yeah. Um, and large agencies using it and it, it feels like that is something we could provide, particularly if we added a second support person. Um, Hmm. yeah just thinking trying to figure out the pricing like you said is it is it a modular thing where you can add it onto any plan or is it just like this is the you know premium of the premium plans <laughs> um that you have to be on in order to get this i don't know but some yeah. it's an idea that's kind of kicking around in my head right now hmm. i like it i think you should keep kicking it around whether it's yeah. now or never, maybe that's one of the things you ask your uh, advisory yeah. board about. I don't know if it's already in the list or not, but it's interesting. No, I'm I'm going to add that to the list right now. <laughs> that wasn't on the list. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. I will. Uh, I will end though real quick with with uh, one great win from last week. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, a customer reported an issue with our um, our favoriting plugin, the integration without Seta. And we don't we don't have I wouldn't say there's a ton of customers using it without Seta right now, but it's it's actually growing quite rapidly as their hmm. um, penetration into the Webflow market grows. And uh, anyway, so they reported an issue. And I was actually able to use the uh, the new system to push out a fix only to their website. Uh, oh. So previously, I would have had to, t- to test this fix. I would have had to push it out to every single customer's website. Um, but I was able to push it out only to their site, see that it worked, and then, um, you know, roll that out for, for everyone. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's yeah. with the versioning, right? Or, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so like different sites can be on different versions now, and it, yeah, it makes um, confirming fixes like this way way better, which is hmm. super cool. Yeah, it's a fun kind of immediate use case you can point to and say, "Okay, I'm glad I did that." Yeah, <laughs> <Because> now <laughs> I can see the I can see the fruits of it. Yeah, it was nice to be able to already use it. Hmm. That's awesome, and also shout out to uh, Jeff and the Outsetta team. Yeah, fellow fellow San Diegan and uh, indie hacker. I know, and and they've just been they've been shipping like crazy. They've been doing a phenomenal job, uh, just building. It sounds like what people want and what people are looking for, and uh, 
and their support team's awesome too. I, I also had to reach out to their support last week and they, uh, they're very responsive. They're very helpful and, uh, just seems like a, a great team that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Well, I don't, I also don't have too many updates on my end. Um, I wired, I think I, uh, mentioned maybe two weeks ago or a week ago or something like that about, um, some initial really small checks into an angel round or two. And so I wired my first angel checks, which was pretty cool and pretty surreal. Um, I also ended up joining another couple, uh, equity crowdfunding rounds. Um, I just can't help myself and <laughs> which one just trying to follow. Yeah. Just trying to follow my thesis of like, if I'm going to do any sort of startup investing, I'm just basically going to say yes to everything unless I don't have the money or there's some sort of big red flag or I don't understand it at all. And so far it's just been like this weird, like, Hey, here's all these things that like you have the money for that you understand and that there aren't any major red flags and actually a lot of, you know, really good indicators. And so, um, that was pretty fun, but uh, nothing too crazy or innovative. The main thing on my mind, I don't have any, like a, any sort of big update, but it's been this kind of thread mulling the, in the back of my head for the last week. And then I actually just talked to uh, Kieran Flanagan of HubSpot this morning. He's their VP of marketing, SVP of marketing, actually. And um, he was talking about how, uh, so he was walking me through how they acquired the hustle and um, sort of how and why and when and you know, about their team and the talent. And, um, he was, he was talking about how the hustle writers are primarily great because of the stories that they service, not even necessarily like their actual writing and like the technical skill of writing and storytelling. And we were talking a little bit about how, uh, just how like, it's not that hard to be like a good writer and like even, you don't have to be a great, great writer on the internet. Um, and especially today with like growing an audience and concept marketing and like, I don't know, I, I've been feeling a little bit stuck on Twitter and with content creation, I think because I don't want to just talk about the same old stuff and just like, you know, skin the cat a different way. I feel like I keep using that phrase and I don't know why, cause I don't like it, but I need <laughs> like a good replacement, but you know, not just do the same old stuff. And he kind of confirmed that idea of like, yeah, actually I think it has a lot to do with like the ideas itself and finding new and novel things to talk about and to surface. And then like, if you, even if you have like bad writing, it's still like good and interesting and noteworthy because it's interesting content inherently. Mm. Um, so it's both a good thing and a bad thing because I've been feeling like, Oh, well, I know I should cover these things, but I feel like they've already been covered. And now I'm thinking like, actually, yeah, I probably shouldn't cover those things because it would cover, I should just really go after new and novel stuff and really try to fill out things that haven't been talked about a lot. Um, and that's, there's no like real strategic way you can go about that. Like it just takes a lot of like research and like digging it up yourself through interviews, talking with people, seeing these kind of clues around there. Uh, but man, the bar is high. Like the bar is really high right now for any <laughs> sort of like content creation and it makes it pretty tough. Yeah. I I've kind of conflicting thoughts on that. Uh, me too, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. I mean, 
novel content or ideas can certainly spread quicker. Like the the one that comes to mind for me is uh, when Sahil of Gumroad posted how he runs the Gumroad team with nothing but part-time contractors and people mm. are, uh, I think, disincentivized to work more hours. Like you, you end up getting paid less or, or right. a lower rate for, for going overtime. Like that was a very novel way of running a business that not a lot of people are talking about right now or weren't talking about until he wrote that piece up and uh, then it got shared like crazy and, and spread like crazy. And, and yeah, to your point, like, I don't think anyone was really looking at the, like the technical side of the writing. Like it didn't have to be, you know, as long as it was coherent enough, it, I, I know what you mean there where you don't have to be like, uh, an extremely gifted writer, not, not to say that he isn't, but, um, you're, you're reading it more just for the content itself, not the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's really hard to put anything out there if your entire bar is, well, this has to be totally new and, uh, uh yeah. Often I feel like just your unique perspective or your unique take it, it like, it's coming from your experiences. So, um, that can be new in itself. Right. 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 Yeah. I, I think that's the thing I really want to, you know, lean more into is just like, what are the unique things that I've done or know, or just my perspective mm-hmm. opinion on it rather than trying to, um, I don't know, create like a better version of, of something else already out there mm-hmm. or just like a slightly different version like really hone in on like, is this new or, or, you know, novel inherently, or like, can I put a novel spin on this myself? Mm. And if I can't do those things, then like, it's probably not going to move the needle for me or for swipe files. Um, and so that's what I've been trying to think about to, to focus on. Uh, this is probably just like my own kind of recency bias as well with the Twitter growth challenge, just because I see a lot of it. I'm like, you know, Mm. in the thick of a lot of these people who are creating content and, uh, and there's definitely some like, you know, opposing examples to this for like, not, it's not true all the time, but in general, the people who are succeeding the most at getting attention and like creating good time that content that people react well to is pretty novel and pretty new and it's pretty, you know, um, they're putting in a lot of work into, into writing it. And it's, again, it's not about the writing itself, but, uh, I see a lot of like copycat kind of just remixes that aren't all that different. And I think he maybe could have gotten away with that a while ago, but Mm. now it's really hard to get away with that. It's just like people, people really crave new, interesting things. And even if it looks slightly, even if it kind of resembles something that they've seen before, it's just like the brain turns off and they don't engage and, it's hard to it's hard to really build that momentum without and it's hard too because i think that a lot of that comes from just like doing new and novel things and like having those experiences draw from not just like making them up or like finding them because that's really hard and so it's a little bit of a dichotomy of like how much time do you spend like doing experimenting with interesting things like i'm working on this podcast advertising experiment which i think is pretty new and novel Versus how much time do you spend on like talking about it? And mm-hmm. there's definitely a balance there. And 
what I'm seeing is a lot of like over, you know, we're too far on the spectrum of like talking about interesting things rather than like doing interesting things. Mm. Do you think this is partly a function of Twitter? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Okay. Not, not just Twitter. I think Google too. A lot of people trying to mm, rank for mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. And, th- and this is not anything new either, but just like a lot of content that's been remixed and copied and yeah. isn't from like industry experts or primary sources even, you know, it's kind of just like cobbled together and it's pretty lame you know you have to really work hard to create new stuff and mm-hmm. then i think that you know it's kind of a tragedy when when it doesn't get noticed doesn't get the attention it deserves but most of the time if it's really like if you are above that bar then it does well it's just kind of like doing that over and over and over again that's that can be difficult mm-hmm How many episodes of uh, Everything is Marketing are you into? Recorded, I think I'm around 40. Okay. Uh, I think published, I'm around 30 right now. Yeah. So total idea off the top of my head, but one thing that I think would be interesting uh, in, in leaning on your unique position would be like, you know, pulling out, top lessons learned or because you, you've talked to some like extremely successful people and, uh, you know, everyone with different angles as to marketing and, um, growth and all of that. So yeah, I don't know, maybe like I've been trying to think about how to do this for jet boost where, uh, taking your, your position as someone who has access to a lot of, um, mm. like in your case, a lot of very talented and successful marketers that you've interviewed or even non-marketers um, or or trying to figure out for JetBoost, okay, like what is a, a real unique piece of content that we could put out because we interact with, uh, you know, hundreds and, uh, you know, people using Webflow and uh, how are they using Webflow and what, what can we, what sort of insights do we have that, most people don't have. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't figured that out yet for JetBoost, but I don't know, just like I said, an idea off the top of my head for you for um, everything is marketing. Yeah, I love it. That's actually exactly what I was thinking. Um, And I really, really want to get to that this week. Um, I'm sort of bogged down by a couple of like administrative things where I need to like, uh, I always end up doing this, but I, I get, and like I have a flurry of interviews and then I don't record the intro and outro and takeaways for them in the moment. And that kind of like builds up. And so now I have to go back and like write and record those. And that's taking me a while. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's like the next thing on my list is like, I've had my nephew go through and he's uploaded the, uh, the videos and the audio to Descript. And now I think we'll be able to trans, you know, generate the transcript pretty easily and then like go through, you know, get the transcript highlights, but also do kind of like those big lesson summary takeaways. And then it'll kind of be two birds, one stone where it's new and all the interesting content for Twitter, 
but it's also promoting the, co- the podcast as well and encouraging people to go and listen to it and like, you know, get the full kind of breadth of the information themselves straight from the source. Uh, but yeah, I 100% want to do that. I've also been thinking a little bit, uh, that was like an initial idea I had just from observing how other people promote podcasts and how kind of the best practice and like what was new and novel was like grabbing these little video snippets and doing these kind of like highlighted, you know, uh, little either audiograms or videograms of podcast episodes. But personally I've seen, like, I don't engage with a lot of those unless, unless there's also like a, a text description and like a tweet thread of like what it is that they're actually talking about because I don't, I don't normally turn on the sound for a lot of them and I don't even like read the, the, the captions for a lot of them. And that's probably just me. I'm not saying that they're bad, that they're bad, but I saw, uh, David Perel do this a while back and reminded me where he just, he just looked at, or he was either like an article or a transcript from something and he would just like annotate it with like little highlights and then like provide commentary in the tweet of like the thing that he's highlighting. Mm. And it got like a ton of engagement and I was like, Oh, this is totally how I would want to kind of like consume the summarized version of a podcast is just to like get the summary in text, which is a little bit counterintuitive, but then it like really hooks me in and then I go and download the episode and I want to know like all the context around it and what else I'm missing. We'll see. Mm -hmm. I need to, I need to actually test that experiment, but that's kind of been the direction I've been leaning towards for promoting the con the podcast content itself gotcha yeah that's right i i, for, I forgot that you initially tried to do some of this through like another service or something but yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think that makes a lot of sense yeah the bummer part is that t- it takes a lot of time and yeah. <laughs> i need to carve that time out um but maybe i'll get to it on Thursday, possibly we'll see. Maybe I'll have something to report on the next time we record on uh, what that's what that's like. It's a little bit of like I just haven't done it yet, so there's kind of like some anxiety. It might be one of those things where I jumped in or I jump into the script and then I'm like, oh, fantastic! I generated like a summary in half an hour. This is way easier than I thought. But I kind of have that like worry of you know procrastinating a little bit just because I don't know what it's like yet. Mm-hmm. Totally kind of funny how with podcasting if you do basically the bare minimum like we do for this show (laughs) it doesn't take a lot of effort like you show up you record and then write some show notes and Mm -hmm. hit publish Uh, but you can take it so much farther and like you said put in a ton of effort to generate all the content that actually makes the podcast discoverable right Um, well it's 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 a big leap like it's a huge step up it's either right. like you do the bare minimum or you're spending like hours <laughs> and hours a week for or hours and hours for every episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no in between really, which makes it really hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I know, uh, you know, Jay Klaus and Jay Kunzo are both in my circle of, uh, creators and, and also both produce their own podcasts and, I think they were, we were talking about the other day, how each episode, like from start to finish for all the things involved, takes them somewhere between like six to eight hours. And I was like, holy moly. Like that's, <laughs> you know, wow. that's an entire work day start to finish just on 
one episode and uh you know because they'll go through and they create like these narrative style storytelling podcasts where they'll break up you know snippets of what the person said and they'll provide commentary in between and then they have all sorts of like audio mixing and mastering and leveling and equalizing and it goes zero to a hundred real fast Mm, yeah that's crazy so that's why we <laughs> that's why we default to very minimal stuff on on this podcast cuz man it just it would take so much seriously that's funny. yeah but i need to up my game a bit for everything's marketing for sure uh that's that's definitely for sure yeah well that's all i got anything else top of mind for you um yeah one question for you yeah, uh, because I, I just listened to the most recent episode right before this, uh, the Mega Maker podcast. Mm. Shoot, I don't know if I'm caught up on it. Maybe I am actually. No worries. Is it's more just a general question? Uh, okay. So yeah, I've, I find what Justin Jackson's doing is pretty interesting. Where he's he's taking a little bit different approach than what I've seen from other people. Where he's he's invested in this company, but he it seems like he's also taking a bit of like a hands-on role as mm. well, where he's going to be doing a large part of the marketing for it. Mm-hmm. You have done a lot of marketing in your career. You are now starting <laughs> to invest. What do you think about that approach? Yeah, I really like it. Um, I think it's a really f- uh, fun approach. I think also just because, well, I think Justin can do it because I think he has a little bit more extra time on his hands yeah. now that Transistor is at a certain scale and things are, they have sort of the engine going. And I think he's also kind of personally invested in uh, Josh and jo- Josh, Joshua um, and just like trying to help him succeed and like wants to, I don't know, I think he would like do it whether he was like invested or not, as long as he was like mm. part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've thought about that a little bit. There, you know, in the past, there have been sort of like marketing agencies, you know, who will like, you know, the work for startup equity or do some sort of like, I don't know. I don't know exactly like the model, but I know if people have kind of like been there and done that for trying to figure out a way to like, okay, we have a product person. I'm like the marketing person, but like, how can we do this like at scale a little bit? Mm. I don't have, my thoughts are very early on this, but it becomes difficult. Oh, who was it? Uh, I forget his name. I'll link to him in the show notes. But Chris, he, him and his wife started um, uh, a big like D2C brand that ended up selling for a massive amount of money. And now they have this like investment firm where they invest their own money as like angel checks or a VC. And um, he tweeted just the other day. He was like, um, the far, fun part about investing is that um, you get to like work for free, basically. <laughs> so it's like you put in like a small check, and then like now you're like an employee, essentially. And um, but anyways, where am I going with this? Um, I think it's interesting, and I think it'd be a lot of fun if you had the free time. But I do worry a little bit about like the like time, money, economics of like the money you put in versus like the time you actually put into it. Obviously the value is more in like long-term equity and what that turns into, but I don't know how you would 
you would do that like over and over again, unless you had a huge audience, like you're a, you know, Alexis Ohanian or a Anthony Pompliano, or there's like a few people out there who are kind of pioneering this way. Actually, one of my everything's marketing guests, um, Sean Cannell, uh, he was telling me about that he was a little bit more interested in doing like equity partnerships with companies instead of just a affiliate mm. kind of relationship. And um, so part of me is like, yeah, I like what Justin is doing, but I also think that it becomes way more useful when you, when you actually have like a really large audience and um, like a, a, basically just like a distribution advantage where mm-hmm. everything you touch turns into gold <laughs> a little bit <laughs> or turns into bronze or silver at least. Yeah. And I'm definitely yeah, not at that scale. Like if everything in marketing was, was huge and spy files was huge or I had, I don't know, mm. or, Oh, I mean, Sean Puri and Sam Parr, what they're doing with, you know, my first million, like they have an insane advantage as investors and in that people, I would want them on my cap table because mm. I could get a podcast shout out or like, I just at least know that he is going to be recommending, you know, even through like word of mouth and like, he just has great connections. And so, um, that to me is like a big, that's like a value add investor. Um, but some of the, like the guerrilla marketing stuff, I think is, is harder to do, especially at scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I, I wonder if, again, I don't know anything about this space, <laughs> but if it becomes, basically if investing becomes more democratized, it's, it's easier to raise money. At least it seems it's somewhat headed in that direction. Uh, if investors will need to become more competitive and offer, like you said, uh, you know, being able to offer a a podcast with a massive audience and, and distribution is certainly a selling point for them. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, yeah, that's, that's huge. Like it's, uh, yeah, I think who was, it? it was, um, Riverside, I believe has both Alexis Ohanian and Anthony Pompliano on their cap table and they both use it for their podcasts and like there's, you know, pretty good like audience, you know, investor fit, right? So they're, they're not just like, they're not just providing the capital. They are providing distribution and marketing mm-hmm. and even like social proof, right? When you have like a, a personality backing you who can talk about, you know, a face, right. That you can advertise. Um, I was telling the Riverside guys, I was like, dude, if I were you, I would be putting on, you know, those guys on my ads all over the place because they're just, <laughs> you know, they're the, especially Alexis Ohanian. Actually, I don't know if he has like the same kind of like facial recognition, but nonetheless, like the right people would know who they are. And that's, that's amazing social proof, even if you're not mm-hmm. like using their audience directly. And, um, hundred percent. I would, I would love to be that type of person. If I was in, if I had a huge audience, I would hundred percent be thinking about investing. And if I was investing like a lot more full time, I would hundred percent be thinking about how to build a, a big audience. Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, look at Rob and, uh, and, and Tyler, like they both have, you know, sizable audiences and, uh, that helps a ton. Like when mm-hmm. Tyler launched the crowdfunding thing for, for Ernest, now the Com Fund, Com Company Fund, right. I believe technically. Um, you know, I was thinking about like how do you? They immediately 
got like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in backing and like reach their goal because they already had an email list and like Tyler already has a Twitter audience and like they already had a huge base of LPs and people bought into their kind of vision, uh, who can share it. Right. And so that's a huge advantage. Um, even like a Paul Graham with YC, you know, you go to YC, mm-hmm. there's going to be some distribution advantages. Yeah, totally. But nonetheless, I love what Justin's doing and I appreciate that he's kind of doing the more hand hand combat stuff. And, um, I'm really bought into their journey. I think it's, I mean, it's a really fun podcast to listen into. So yeah. it's just exciting. Yeah, for sure. I feel like in, in general, in the bootstrapper podcast world, a lot of people are at the very exciting times right now where they're launching new things and, uh, you know, just like reform comes to mind, potion, uh, the, uh, was it that they're doing meeps? Uh, mm-hmm. all, all of those are, are kind of at like the germination slash like beginning growth stage. And, uh, it's it's fun to follow along for sure. Yeah. Even zip message, uh, rally, Mm -hmm. um, savvy Cal to a certain degree, although now it's, it's getting old (laughs) coming up on its, uh, (laughs) launch anniversary. Um, your jet boost is now one of the, the OG, uh, (laughs) podcast products. Oh man. (laughs) Year and a half old. (laughs) Right. I know it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun though. All right, man. Well, shall we wrap it? Yeah. I think we've cool. gone on long enough. As usual, I have many of the men- as many of the mentions as we can remember in the show notes. If you want to ask us a question, you can do so using our zip message inbox. Uh, I believe it's just zipmessage.com slash default dash alive. And there's a link that says ask us a question in the show notes. And you can do a text or audio or even, or even a video question, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. It's pretty fun. Um, if you do audio, it'll definitely make it into the podcast. So we'd love to hear questions there. Anything and everything is fair game, open books. Otherwise, we'll see you in the next one.